Hey everybody, welcome to You Have to Watch This Podcast. I'm Alan. I'm Ryan. And I'm Devin. And we are joined this week by a very special guest who's dear to my heart, my wife, Anna. Hi, I'm Anna. Um, welcome to the show. Thanks. Uh, the reason Anna's on the show is because she likes to chime in a lot. And <laughs> I knew for this one she was going to chime in. And I was like, you know what, we're just going to give her a microphone and go with it. Okay, but now exactly why though? Was she going to chime in on this a lot, just so our viewers, our listeners know? Well, well yeah, well, we'll get into that. Um, okay. So today we're talking about The Shining, which is a film that I had never seen, and Devin had never seen. And I love. And you love. And yes. so, Anna, why are you here? I used to love this movie when I was a kid. Used to. We'll get into that. Um, <laughs> we're all laughing nervously. We can all tell. Yeah, so Devin and I had never seen this, but Devin had seen the made-for-TV version, correct? Yeah, I have, yeah. Uh, really different. Yeah, I could imagine. I just found it for free online, so I'm going to probably watch it in the next week. I didn't get a chance to watch it for this. But, oh, good luck. Yeah. Um, but Ryan, you've seen it before. Yeah. When yeah. was your first time seeing this movie? I was in high school. Okay. And again, I tend to complain about how they put certain movies up on like network television and how like that's how I've like I first seen, you know, yeah. seen it. And that's how like I heard about this being broadcasted on network television. And this is one of those movies where my dad was like, "No. You're not watching this on network television." And we went out to the video rental store and we rented it and brought it back to the house and we watched it instead. You can say blockbuster because they're not going to see it. Was it. it was forty-eight. Uh, it was it was forty-eight hour video. My point, competitor to blockbuster. My point account. is we they're not around to sue it. you anymore. So well, true, and I don't think they're around here. But anyway, there's still one blockbuster left. Yeah. There is one. Yeah, and yeah, they make all their money off of being the last blockbuster. They have their own beer that they sell. That's called what? the last blockbuster. Yeah. I need to go here. Go I've never been here? to one. You've never been to a blockbuster? No, we didn't have I've blockbuster never... in Shemokin. We had Nightcap Video West and East Coast Video. See, and my mom worked at them. There's still the yeah. remains of the the <laughs> one the blockbuster we had here in town by our grocery store because the the drop box is still in the window <laughs> so every time i go by it i just like oh lost lost to time i like this yeah this is funky yeah yeah but um who's is this who's doing this doing what doing what the noise what noise oh, I oh I hear i'm it hearing too. music are you gonna hear music i hear it now i think it's I coming know. from you though yeah it's not it's not on our end Whatever it was, it's gone now. Yeah, I, I don't know. That's why I was dancing and said, wow, this conversation is fun. Turn off the porn, Devin. Um, Never. So that was, so you saw it the fir- for the first time in high school? Yeah, okay. so I saw it the first time in high school. Um, I believe it was either sophomore or junior year. It was one of the two. Okay. Um, this movie struck me. Yeah. Like, heavily. Like, I didn't really think of myself as, like, a horror fan at all, but... Yeah, so the, the four of us here, people are making hand gestures. Yeah. So yes, it, yes, yes. This movie punched me in the face, Devin. Yeah. Anyway, uh, um, it, it 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 really struck me when it came to the just, just the visuals. Yeah. 
Well, we'll get at the first part of the film, but we'll get yeah, into we'll that. We'll get into still, that. Yeah, so, that, Anna, when was the first time you saw The Shining? I was small. <laughs> I want to say I was nine years old, but I, I was think I'm always nine last. years old. <laughs> wow. I was. My brother would always watch movies. He was living with us at the time, so I had to be like eight or nine. I was a youngin', and he would just watch things, and I had to watch them with him. But I enjoyed that. So I remember, I don't remember if it was on TV or if it was on DVD, but I remember watching The Shining with him at like 10 o'clock at night and somehow not being scarred for life. I had nightmares, but I mean, I'm fine. Clearly. Yeah. Well adjusted person. I mean, she married me, so she has to be. Yeah, it's all good. Um, so how long after watching The Shining did you read the book? I didn't read the book till I was 12. Okay. Ryan, have you read the book? No. And you're a big Stephen King guy, right? I am. But, and then here's where, why I love movies from like a young age till now. It was, and I'll probably get into this in probably a different podcast a little bit more, but like I am heavily dyslexic. Okay. So reading was a struggle for me for a long time until about maybe, let's see, I'm 33, until about maybe like. 12, 11 years ago is when I started actually being able to like pick up like a Stephen King book and actually read it. Um, but that's one of the reasons why like I'm still catching up on on a, uh, on a lot of these novels. Okay. So so with the dyslexia, if you read, sat down and read The Shining, you'd see Red Rum and just be like, why, why is the, he keep saying murder? <laughs> yeah, because that's how it works. That's how it works, Alan. Totally, that's how it works. I know it's not how it works, but... <laughs> I know, I know it's a joke, but <laughs> when, it, um, no, but it's, I'm, I'm actually interested. It's, uh, in, uh, in actually reading that one though. Devin, have you read the book? I have not read the book. I actually have something I need to get out of the way right now. Okay. Um, I know I'm wrong. I know you're all going to hate me for this. I don't like Stephen King. Okay. I don't like most books that he's written. I don't think they're great. I don't like when he tries to direct things. Well, nobody so likes when he directs things. Well, I haven't seen it, but I hear Maximum Overdrive is a classic. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, or the Langoliers. I heard that one's great. <laughs> they're remaking that, and it pisses no, me not. off. Yeah, they are. What? Everything, oh, no. everything Stephen King is coming back. Um, so, do you like like the Shawshank Redemption and Green Mile, or? I like when Stephen King is trying to be dramatic. I don't think he's clever when he's trying to be scary. Okay. Um, so that kind of primed me to really like this movie because I heard he hated this movie. So I went into this movie going, oh, I'm going to love this because he <laughs> doesn't like it. And because I saw the like his directed version of it on TV. So that's kind of where I'm coming at from this movie. Did so he direct the made-for-TV one? He directed the made-for-TV movie. Oh, that's wow. That's terrible. He's a terrible director. Yeah. I love oh, Stephen King, but he's a terrible okay. director. Well, he doesn't even like his directing. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> I haven't seen anything he's actually directed. I haven't seen the made-for-TV one. I will say, I this is the first Stephen King book that I've actually read. And by read, I mean audiobook, but I'm counting it. Um, and I really like the book, and I can see where he has issues with the movie because it does deviate a lot. Um, Interesting. But I, as far as Stephen King goes, I like a lot of his drama stuff. I've only recently gotten into some of his horror stuff with with mm -hmm. It. Um, I enjoyed that a lot. And um, the 90s It we talked about on here before. Mm -hmm. um, but I, I just like his whole world building, like he how he he pretty much has his own 
universe where everything happens. And I like that. And I really enjoyed Castle Rock on Hulu, which he didn't have much to do with, but it was a lot of his IP. So they make reference to that time the dog went crazy or the time those kids found the body in the woods. Um, Interesting. Um, so it's a really good show set in, um, in Shawshank Redemption has a big part to do in the show. But like that really like I've really gotten into Stephen King in the last year and a half. And this Shining was the first book that I picked up and actually read and really enjoyed. Probably a little bit more than I enjoyed the movie. Um but we'll really? we'll get into that. So yeah. where do we want to start? Do we want um Ryan, are you a big Stanley Kubrick fan? I am. This is the second Stanley Kubrick movie we've done on this podcast. Mm-hmm. The first one that's actually going to be the released. First, one? first yeah. one we did was Dr. Strangelove, or How I Uh-oh. Learned to Stop Worrying and Learn to Love the Bomb. Yes. Um, and that episode got lost. Um, oh, no. Half of it just disappeared from my computer. I don't know what happened. <laughs> uh, it just ended in mid-sentence. and Which I was very, very sad about because I actually really liked where that podcast yeah it was a good it was a great show and it's like god damn it so that's like part of the reason we went like two months without an episode because we kept having those issues yeah um i guess we just can't do no never mind i'm not gonna go there um (laughs) but so this is only the second crew work movie i've seen because we talked about on the last episode that that the uh dr stranger was the first kubrick i've seen yeah um Devin, how many Stanley Kubrick movies have you seen? I think this is my first one. Okay. Oh my god. I know. I know. I'm not great at movies. Are you buying do you buy into the hype? I mean, based on this one, yeah. Oh, I lied. I've seen Clockwork Orange. Okay. Oh, I love that movie. I didn't know that was him. And I've seen Full Metal Jacket. So I've seen I've seen three. Wait, now. So this is your third. Yeah. All right. This is still yeah. my second. So how many Anna, how many Kubrick movies have you seen? I didn't, I didn't realize he did Full Metal Jacket. I've seen that. I've seen the 2001 a space odyssey i've seen this and i don't remember what the other one you just said was no short-term memory it's fun uh, clock clockwork clock orange yeah, yeah. do you I buy into the one. hype too hmm? do you buy into the hype too i absolutely don't he's an asshole oh sorry we don't curse on here do we no, we can he's a jerk yeah he's a why is he a jerk he made Shelley Duvall have a nervous breakdown because of this movie. Yeah. Like he was just, he, to get her to where she was, he was just horrible, horrible, horrible to her. Like that's the same thing Alfred Hitchcock did though. No, Alfred Hitchcock doesn't have the same, like he was abusive to her, like to where she needed therapy after this movie because of the way he was. And she stopped acting. Yeah. She was never right after this movie. She never. Yeah. He told every, he took, I was looking at IMDb. He told the crew not to, like console her, like not to make her feel better because it's not going to help. Oh my gosh! Yeah, yeah, it's, no, yeah. it was bad. <laughs> That's something that I'm going to kind of get into. Yeah, once we get to that well, point. we're here now. Let's uh, let's yeah. get into it. So, okay, um, yeah, like her performance, it definitely shows that she's being uh, emotionally and maybe physically abused. Well, when you get into that, though, that fits. I mean, again, well, okay. So before I start going off on it, well, not explaining yeah. the, the way that I took the movie. I've never read the book, so right. I have no idea how it changes in the storyline. I don't know about the characters and their relationship, okay. but for the movie itself, without her, without the acting that she had, 
or the performance that she was doing because it, it, was, it was supposed to be shown that she was being physically and emotionally abused by her husband, by Jack. So, I mean, to me, part of what gripped me about this film uh, when I first saw it was her emotional acting mm-hmm. in it. And that's part of the reason why, like, it grabbed me. And then later I found out when, you know, watching documentaries and, like, hearing people talk about it that that's what, you know, that that's what, uh, that it was the fact that he pretty much just abused her. Like, emotionally, like, he would lock her in her, mm-hmm. like, room. Yeah. No contact, food pretty much being just dumped off in front of the door if uh, if not just opened up and dropped on the floor. Like, she had no contact except for when they were filming. Wow. Yeah. Um, I had no idea. As far as her storyline goes from the book, it her storyline... totally different. I mean, the beats are the same, but yeah, like, it... It was the director's choice to make her be that way, like be abused, because she—that's not the character in the book yeah. at all. So it was his decision to do that. But like, it was a great performance. It's just that you don't need to do that to get a great performance. Yeah. Lots of people have wonderful performances and they weren't abused yeah, no. to get there. Like, that's there was no need for that. Yeah. That and then what he shot—that blood take scene—a ton. Like the crew hated him for that because they just kept yeah. doing it over and over and well, over and the, the, and over the take. Where she's going up the stairs mm-hmm. holds the world record for the most takes on a film mm-hmm. set. Really? For Which like was intentional. 170 some takes is oh, what the Guinness yeah. World Record has. But I guess people have contested that because, uh, like, the DP said that's not accurate, but they hold the record. So somebody's somewhere's not right. Yeah. Um, You got a motocross going on outside your place? <laughs> I live next to P. I swear to God, like everybody outside my window is like, look at how big of a penis I have every time they go past my apartment. I don't know what's going on. I mean, they whip it out that you can see them in the window, or are they just being obnoxious? I, mean, I feel like they should do both. I feel like that makes Kevin Smith saying to anyone who visits Los Angeles when they go to Hollywood Babylon, he's like, welcome to Los Angeles. Put a dick in your mouth. That just makes it yeah. like there's it's just everywhere access. it's easy access. everybody's paying tribute to uh uh Har- <laughs> harambe harambe everybody's paying Dicks tribute out to for harambe, harambe. Oh, i thought you were going paul walker with that one and i was gonna go oh no no i'll save that for a fiery episode good good but no, so i did have a question about the whole book versus movie thing okay. so i know you guys read the book was Stanley Kubrick trying to shoot the book? Was Stanley Kubrick trying to no. make no. his own thing? Was... No. No? The book leans a lot into the hotel is haunted. There is a whole subplot really? that is cut from the movie where Jack finds a scrapbook in the basement full of newspaper mm-hmm. articles that tell the history of the Overlook and different events that have happened, um, different ownerships and like the weird history of the overlook and the scrapbooks mm-hmm. in the movie. Cause I saw it yeah, in the yeah, one scene. Briefly in the movie. Um, oh, wow. but it's, it's like really fascinating and goes into like all the details of the overlook and like all the murders, all the murders and like oh. mafia killings that happen there. And, um, so the hotel is haunted in the book. Like that's mm-hmm. like there, there instead of the hedge mage mage, there's, hedge animals that come to life and move 
but in 1980, they couldn't really do that. Yeah. Well, I'm sure they did they, they a lot. They couldn't in the TV movie either. Yeah, I'm sure they couldn't do it in 1997 for Made for TV. <laughs> Wait, hold on. I have another really dumb question. Okay. In the book, did they use? Did he chase everybody with an axe or with a Denver croquet mallet? This is really important. The croquet, croquet mallet. mallet. It, was it was a roke mallet. It's a roke. Like they make a whole yes. point about what roke is. Yeah, versus croquet. Yeah. yeah, they do it in the in the Made for TV movie too. They're like, let me tell you what roke is. This is everything about it. I'm like, I hate this. This is yeah. dumb. Oh, they don't go yeah, like right, super right. into it. They just make the distinction of like, you know. Roke is the croquet is the poor man's roke. Yeah, like that's the extent. It's not like they go into an in-depth history. They're just like being snobs about croquet versus roke, and then they move on from that. Yeah, um, I'm trying. To All right, so that change didn't come out of nowhere then. Got it. No, it did not. Um, that that's in the book. Um, I don't know why you're boning. Like it's a. It makes a lot more sense in the book because he convinces himself that he didn't see it. Like, mm-hmm. Okay, because like I think if like Jack Nicholson's gonna threaten me with anything, I'm gonna feel more threatened with an axe than I am with like, hey, I'm gonna go play Roke now. Like I don't know, it just yeah, just seems more. Scary I don't know if Jack Nicholson was a bit crazy and came after me with a Roke mallet. I think I'd be more <laughs> scared of that than I would an axe, because he's lost it at that point. Yeah. <laughs> he's lost it from day one. Well, let's be well, real. There was no character yeah, arc for him yeah. in the movie. Let's talk about let's talk about Jack a little bit. We talked about Wendy. Let's talk oh, about yeah. Jack. So the main difference between Jack in the book and in the movie is in the book you you can you. Jack's a character like he, he's a person he's a person and he you see like him, him descent into this madness or corruption whatever it is that happens to him in the hotel you see that progression and he's fighting it in the movie he's like here's Johnny like he's just batshit crazy from the get-go see I don't well and that's actually what so. I wanted to ask like he's so an asshole is he from the get-go he's an asshole. Which, is, which he's not in the book I'm sorry Devin yeah Sorry, that's what I wanted to ask. Is he crazy in the beginning, or is he just Jack Nicholson making Jack Nicholson faces? Jack I, Nicholson acts. I think it's it's not that he's crazy the whole time, but he's an asshole the whole time. In the book, it's like, oh hey, I it's a it, he's a teacher who got fired for mm-hmm. attacking a student who's trying who's who what sounds which sounds terrible, but in the book, it's you feel for yeah. him, um, and. Uh, <laughs> I'm not saying that. I did not say that. No, um, no, no. You didn't. But um, like you, it's this guy trying to get his life back on track. Who's sober? Who who's trying to do the best thing for him and his family? Trying to get, trying to write a play that he's actually working on. Like the whole all work and no play makes Jack a dull boy is not a thing in the book. But it's such a great thing in the yeah. movie. Um, it really is though. I like but he's actually movie. working on an actual play, like, and he, like, the whole history of the Overlook thing plays into his next book. Like, he wants to make that a book. Um, but you can actually identify with this character. But in the movie, he's just a dick. Like, I know they have that one month time jump, so there, there's probably that a little bit of time in there where he does start to go a little crazy that they just don't show. But he, he's just not likable from the beginning. Yeah, I mean, he's really not. Like, I didn't, I didn't know if I was supposed to like feel for him or like be on his side, but I totally wasn't. Yeah. Yeah. In the book, they're in the beginning of the movie. They're having a good time at the hotel. Like, they're finally being a family again, and things are looking good. And he's spending time with Danny. Like, there is no him yelling at Wendy of "This is my room, and if I'm in here, get the fuck out because I'm riding." Like, that's that's a scene in the movie. 
that's not a scene in the book. That's not reality. He's trying to be with them. Everything's going well. And then as time progresses, it all goes to shit. Yeah. But and the other characters actually have arcs. Danny's an actual character in the book with thoughts and feelings and emotions and everything. He's not just wheeling around on his tricycle, which I love. I love that shot. But he's not just wheeling around on the tricycle and seeing ghosts and catatonic the whole time. He's he's a real person too. They're all people in the book and in the movie they're just characters. Yeah. Um, Brian, you have anything? Well, it, <laughs> I've never read the book. Right, I know. And uh, one of the things that, when it comes to the difference between movies and books, and this is one of the things that I why I have I I. Whenever there is a movie that's based off a book, and I have actually read the book, I always separate the two. Mm-hmm. Always. Because it, it, from the book standpoint, you can have every character have its own arc. You can have almost every character have you know, a, um, a great buildup when you have a movie. And this is one of the things that, Stanley, that I like what Stanley can do. He focuses on one character... And tells that one character's story amongst everything else going on. Yeah. And in the movie, he picked the mom to be that one person. Because the only because the only person in that movie, like you said, Jack, he goes from being an asshole to going crazy. The son is just a, a an eight year old that likes to stare off and uh, who just likes to stare off at walls the, 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 uh, the entire film. Um, the only other person that has an arc besides the mom is the the uh, what's his name I forget the chef Halloran the chef Dick Halloran they did him dirty yeah those are the only two that actually have an actual like storytelling for their character. He did extremely well at that. Yeah, really, really, really well at that. Um, now he his methods were atrocious. That's for what doing that. the movie for me. Yeah, yeah. not the book, but him. yeah. Um, but when when it comes to Jack's character for the f- for the film, I like how they portray him as this guy's a rotten bastard and he's trying to do well because that's what everybody expects him to do. And the first moment he gets to, like, fall off the horse, he does. When it comes to drinking again. See, I don't like that, because he's just a bastard. Like, that's not as interesting of a story as somebody trying and just... I also... That would probably have added another 15, 10 minutes on the film. So, and it's already a long movie to begin with. Um, But just to... Just to set up what's going to happen, just as a piece to move the story along, I'm fine with Jack Nicholson being asshole Jack Nicholson and then crazy Jack Nicholson. But you didn't need to add time to that. If you would have just had at the beginning of the movie him not to have his the faces that he makes, which he doesn't have to make if you watch One Flew Over a Cuckoo's Nest, he can act. Right. No, I know. But like, he, if you don't have him making the faces and you don't have him screaming at Wendy and Danny in the beginning... Yeah. I'm okay you with have the, that story arc all of a sudden. No, like you didn't add. Or I'm okay take with away, him being like, an asshole at the beginning, though, because because the thing is what what I like is the underlining storyline amongst all that in the movie. Mm-hmm. I don't know if it happens in the book or not, but the doctor comes in to see the kid, and she asks, you know, 
how has he been hurt in the past? And she nervously goes over about how right. Jack came home and dislocated his shoulder because he was drunk and angry. Yeah. Pretty much showing that, you know, he abuses his family. And so that's where I like him just being an asshole and then going crazy. And I think that's the biggest difference between the book and the movie is in the book, yeah, he hurt his arm. Yeah. But that's the only time it's happened. Like they'd flat out tell you that's the only time anyone's ever been hurt. Yeah. In the movie, it's so ambiguous that you don't know how many times yeah. he's done this. Um, Especially to her. Because yeah. I mean, he's because, clearly I mean, like, throughout the movie, because she acts even in the like movie, mouse even in the him. movie, she says that this happened, what, three months ago? Yeah. Yeah. They're and not then, consistent. and then, like, when he's at the bar, he's like, here's to five months on, on the wagon. Yeah. yeah. Even though I and I heard his arm three years ago, so the the timeline doesn't ma- match up at all. Right. So there's a, either a continuity issue or she's lying, which, and he's just abusive. But she which, said it happened four months ago, yeah. and he, then he says three years ago. So that makes it seem like it happened twice. Yeah, yeah. which could be. Right. So which would definitely show one there's there's abuse going on that even she doesn't know about. But that's one of the reasons why that I like what they did for the film. Mm-hmm. Um. And then when it comes to the kid, I feel like, for the movie standpoint, if you're going to have a kid with that kind of ability, mm-hmm. the fact that he can like communicate mentally and he can mm-hmm. see things that not a lot of other people see, I mean, you're going to be a weird kid. Right. Yeah. So, I mean, you're going to be a little off. Now, there's a lot of ways to do that. Stanley Kubrick is kind of... Um, best way to put this... Um, you have people who are considered geniuses um, who can't, like, who see one thing ahead of them, mm-hmm. and they can do that to a T, but to deviate from what they were originally thinking, they just can't do it. So mm-hmm. I feel like the reason why he made the kid what he was is I think he had an idea or... or Maybe like a stereotype in his head, or maybe at some point during like you know a study at some point when he was younger, you know he ran into a few people who were traumatized when they were younger, and they were just that way. Mm-hmm. And maybe that's why he wrote him the way he did, when he's just quiet the entire time. Well, I mean, I think my issue is just that the whole book is about his ability. Like yeah. that's why it's called The Shining. Well, yeah, because right. he has the shine, and then the movie has nothing. <laughs> Well, like the they have the five minutes in the beginning where he has the mental conversation with yeah. Halloran, and then mm-hmm. Halloran comes to the hotel. Mm-hmm. But they don't. That's it. So I don't know what Doctor Sleep's going to be. Yeah, film wise. Yeah, we'll we'll get into that later. Um, I had a thought and I lost it. Um, oh, so I'll ask this to Devin since you've okay. never read the book. Do you believe that the Overlook Hotel is haunted or not? Oh boy! Based on this movie. See, my thoughts and feelings on this literally changed as I was watching the movie. Because at first, I thought, okay, this is definitely haunted. Um, Jack Nicholson's character is the one that's seeing all of these ghosts, and like the sun kind of like smells like they they described as like the burnt toast. Like he can see like the after echoes of these things and they're just like pictures, but Jack Nicholson's actually being haunted by these people. Then about halfway through the movie, I'm like, oh my God, no, because of the shining, 
So that means that the little kid can see all of the ghosts. And also, I'll bet you, secretly, Jack Nicholson has The Shining, too, and that he's the one seeing all the ghosts. And then at the end, the freaking mom sees, like, the ghost dog, like, filleting <laughs> the guy on the bed. And I went, well, there went all of my theory. So honestly, I think, I think, yes, I think the Overlook Hotel was haunted. And I think that they just got inside Jack Nicholson's head a little bit more. And also there were apparently ghosts with selective powers. Like they could open some doors, but not other doors. And like, we're just going to take that as, as movie magic. All right, Ryan, same question. What do you think? I think it all makes sense. That's not an answer to the no, question. No, it does. <laughs> That's not an answer. It's not an answer. The hotel is haunted. Okay. The hotel is haunted. They set it up from the beginning. Jack goes to the interview. The guy says, great, hey, there are some things you need to know about. Some things happened. He talks about how one of the past people killed, you know, like he killed his family and then eventually killed himself. And then they get to the hotel. The kid has the conversation with the head chef and the head chef explains to to the kid that, hey, you know, my mom called it The Shining you know, uh, um, and that's what you have. And then he explains that, you know, people give off energies and so can, like, you know, uh, objects can also have energies. And that hotel has energies, um, has a pretty much, I mean, there, there were, he, uh, he explains how there can be good and bad. And I believe that the hotel had a mixture of that from what they were talking about. There were there were really good energies coming from the hotel, but then also really bad. And the ones that were bad were pretty much evil. Um, and that gets into pretty much. And I'm I'm thinking, uh, and I'm thinking Stanley took uh, some of the stories from the book and incorporated them into the film for like the different things that like would happen. I'm going to assume like the woman in the tub, the twins. It's like I'm going to assume most of the ghosts came from the book. The twins are not in the book. The twins aren't in the book. The twins aren't in the book. The woman is. The twins are not in the book. There's a child in the playground outside, but there are not twins. Real quick, just because it's confusing me, and I know it shouldn't be. Don't call him Stanley because I'm just thinking Stanley. I keep thinking Stanley. Just call him. Whenever I try to say Kubrick, I feel like I'm going to stutter. That's what I'm saying. Okay. Sk. Can SK. you call him SK? The director. The director. <laughs> call, call, call him Stanley. Like, that's fine. It's just, it's just, I had to throw it out there because I still have Stanley on the brain. It's okay. Excelsior. Um, <laughs> when, but, and, uh, but, okay, so, so, so going through it, all of the different spirits that, that the kid sees. Yeah. I truly think that the energy in that hotel was just so strong that it, that, that it falls into just a normal... Hollywood storytelling haunting yeah. where anybody who goes into the hotel the ghosts can show themselves to because that's because the emotion in the murders and how they died was just that strong that they have that type of energy um, and the whole thing about the ghosts with selected powers um, if you get into actual like like ghost haunting lore and like all of that and people who like go and they try to like hunt for this stuff if you have somebody die horribly in, in a certain hotel room, they only haunt that hotel room, usually. Like, so when it comes to being able to, like, you know, open certain doors to, like, certain parts, like, to me, that totally makes sense. Um, and with the, 
uh, and with the mom eventually seeing like the uh, like that pig creature thing, um, which I the told furry. yeah the, the furry the, 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 that was definitely a sexual a act yeah. going on. There's no other way around that. No, um, but to me, it falls into just a classic haunting. Like this hotel is cursed with all the crap that's happened there. Um, it just Plus, so happened that they but see the thing is. And the reason why I think they got stirred up was because the kid was there. Yeah. And because of his psychic ability, it caused, like, a ripple in the hotel, and that's what fed everything. Yeah. And then the ghosts were trying to find, like, well, not all of them, but a few of them were trying to find someone that they could torment, and that was Jack. Because he was already tormented to begin with. He he was already on the edge. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I definitely agree that the hotel is haunted. Um for all the reasons that you guys have said. <laughs> I think Devin hit my theory the most from the book that uh-huh. Anna and I talked about a little bit before. Um, not on the podcast, though. So, But you hit mm-hmm. my theory pretty much dead on. Um, oh, yeah. Stanley Kubrick, however, will say, you are wrong. There is no supernatural aspect to this movie at all. They went stir crazy. It's yeah. a family slowly going mad together. That's what it's supposed to be. And that's what I got from it as a nine-year-old. Partly I got, oh, there's cool ghosts and I love this because I love ghosts, but also I had my older brother explaining to me, well, you know, people go stir-crazy when they go in the woods and that's what this movie's about. And I was like, oh, that makes sense. But also that's what Stanley Kubrick's intention was. But everything you guys said is right on for what was going on in the book. Yeah. Pretty much. There are a couple other. But it, 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 the movie does play as supernatural. Mm-hmm. Stanley Kubrick might be a genius, but on this one, I'm going to throw out what he wanted to do and replace yeah. it with yeah. my own. I mean, it works from what it was supposed genius. to be. He's not a genius. I mean, in parts it works, but there is one yeah. moment where we talked about during the movie that you had me pause. You want to talk about that a little bit? I didn't have you pause that part. You, you paused it. The part that couldn't be explained by yeah. Stir Crazy was the, the when they let him out of the freezer. Or the cooler right. pantry. Yeah. That was the part that you couldn't explain. I didn't have you pause okay. that part. That's I had part. you pause a different part because I was commenting on something. Right. I don't remember what. And I, I think you have to have a little bit of a supernatural thing going on in there if you're going to throw in the line about, oh, yeah, this was built on top of an ancient Indian, <laughs> Indian burial ground. ground. Well, it was all yeah. about the genocide if you believe the documentary they put out. What? There's a there's a documentary that goes into all the like million theories about it. One of the theories is that Stanley Kubrick made this movie because he felt so guilty about faking the moon landing. What? <laughs> yeah, that's don't. one of the theories. Devin, don't, ask. don't go in don't, that. Don't, don't go down ask. that rabbit hole. Oh no, we're going down this rabbit hole. No, we're okay, not. Well, no, no, we are. We no, are. we're not. Stanley no, we're not. Kubrick did <laughs> film the moon landing. It, it, that, that happened, okay? I but but no, 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 no. Let me finish. Let me finish. He was such a perfectionist, they had to shoot it on the moon. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> no. Oh, my God. No. Anyway, everybody knows it was Steven Spielberg. It was not Stanley Kubrick, so that theory goes out the window. Well, then why is Danny wearing an Apollo 11 sweater that was poorly knitted for him by Because somebody made him. So, Devin, what you, so uh, about The Shining, how did you feel about that? <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh so wait so if we're like on theories can i like throw out a theory that i heard last night that i think is really interesting go for it yeah so one of the theories that i heard last night was that it wasn't the hotel wasn't haunted it wasn't a family going mad together all of it was danny trying to kill his abusive father and him using his psychic abilities to set up all of these traps for his dad to put him in situations where he's going to end up killing himself but not making it look like he's killing himself 
I thought that was super interesting. I don't know how much I feel about it. I want to watch it. I think for the movie that might work. For the movie, it works really well, but I really hate it for the book because they really love each other in the book. Yeah, in the book, they really do have a great relationship. That's a really heartbreaking thought for the book perspective. But from the movie perspective, I love that theory. Like The whole thing, like that scene with Jack and Danny in the apartment where he's like, come over here, son, and puts him on his lap. Like in the book, that would be completely heartfelt and like straightforward but in the movie it's kind of creepy because he's mm-hmm. like he's forcing he's him. jack nicholson <laughs> right so. well i mean in the movie like that scene like you can almost tell that annie's like getting these weird psychic vibes from him like do you like this place dad because yeah. he like feels or like knows something about what's going to happen and is just trying to ask his dad in the most benign way possible about like hey i'm trying to get you out of this or i'm trying to like you know what i mean i'm trying to like set you up for this shit right and in yeah. the like, book he's trying to save his dad He's trying to save his mom and dad in the book. Whereas in the movie, we keep talking about the book because of Tony. I know, and I'm trying not to because I love this movie. I love all the hotel's so great. It's visually stunning. Um, The twins are so creepy. I have a question. Yes. Okay, so let's get this thing back onto the movie then. Okay. And I know how to do that. Mm -hmm. I'm Devin. I'm going to start with you. The opening part of the film, okay, from when they start showing the family out in Denver to where. Let's say their first night there alone. Which okay. part was your favorite sequence for the film? For uh, when it comes to shots, because this film for me was the first time that I really looked at like camera angle, shot length, you know, time, just like the long shots. Yeah. What sequence was uh, was was your favorite at the start of the film? It's split between two. Um, the first one is when they're when he's driving that car um, through the mountains during mm-hmm. like the opening credit sequence. Um, at one point, you can see that they're using like almost like a Dutch angle, and they like tilt the whole mountain, and you can see him like driving like by this tilted mountain, which I think is really cool because it adds a sense of like creepiness. Like, because usually like it was nothing but glamour shots in the beginning, where yeah. like this is most idyllic, beautiful vista, but they have this really creepy music over it. And it's at like that point that the visual matches the creepy music in the background. Yeah. So that was one. And then my other one was the long shot of him walking through the hotel into the manager, the manager's office. I just thought that was a really good long shot. Like, and I think that those are probably my two favorite. Yeah. My, my favorite you hit on mine with the uh, car driving in the Dutch angle. Like I really enjoyed, I really like that. I did not like yeah. the windows movie maker credits that, just scroll up <laughs> from the bottom of the screen. <laughs> like, that was very jarring for for like one of the greatest films of all time. Yeah, like I oh the 80s. like yeah like it's it was like oh okay we're gonna go that way got it okay <laughs> we, we spent all of our blood budget on the elevator blood scene we're just gonna have to throw some credits in here somehow yeah right. so Anna mine uh, my favorite shot is when they get to the hotel and Danny's alone. And he goes down the hallway and he sees the two little girls in the hallway. And then the hallway flashes to the little girls being murdered. And there's just blood everywhere and the at- whatever it was that was used to kill them. And then it goes back, like, the back and forth of that. That's my favorite. I'm yeah. not right in the head, but I love that shot. It's a great shot. I mean, the interiors of this hotel are all a studio in London that burnt down after the fact that they filmed this movie. I'm not surprised. And then they... Really? Yeah, the uh, where wow. he where he was the Colorado room where he was writing, burnt down, and then they re- they rebuilt the the set area, and it was used for the the Tomb of Snakes in Raiders of the Lost Ark. What? Yeah, that's yeah. amazing. Yeah, yeah. a little wow. bit of trivia for you. Um, 
now, when it comes to the start, I really uh-huh. like the Dutch angle uh, when mm-hmm. it comes to the car scene, and I like it when he was walking through the hotel mm-hmm. you know, uh, uh, to see the manager. But my favorite sequence actually is when they're in the car, mm-hmm. driving to the hotel. Because uh-huh. I just I love the uncomfortableness mm-hmm. from the family because she's because you've got the mom the wife trying to like talk it up and Jack is just stone quiet mm-hmm. like he's yeah. you know like he's doing this because he has to do this he's mm-hmm. not doing it because he thinks it's a good idea he's not doing it because he thinks that you know it's the right thing to do he's doing it because he made a promise to his wife. Mm-hmm. And that's why he's doing it. And just the uncomfortableness in the car to me is kind of like, oh, this beautiful scenery. And they're driving yeah. up and then they go into the car and it's like, this is what's to come. Like, it's kind of like foreshadowing in that one scene what the middle part of the movie is. Yeah. Um, um, I have a weird question. How did you guys feel about the sound design in this movie? Because at first I was like, whoa, sound guy, back off. Because it was nothing but like dissonant chord, dissonant chord. And then there was that scene where he's writing and he stops writing and rips the paper off and it stops. And I went, oh, this guy might be a genius and I might be an idiot. Like, what did you guys think about that? Are you talking sound sound design or the score? Um, probably a mix of both. Okay. Um, I really like the sound design. The one scene where I really noticed it was when Danny's riding his tricycle through mm-hmm. the hotel and like you see him go over the carpets and on the hardwood, and you could just really feel the difference. The dunk. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The yeah. yeah. I love that. I really like that. I picked up on that. The score is. The score is a little bit much for me in, in spots because, like, this, yeah. like, nowadays it's like this movie's 30 some years old. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it just doesn't. It's jarring, but I think for the time it would have been. Like if I had seen this in theaters, it would yeah. have worked a lot better for me. But like nowadays, watching it on Netflix, it's just like, eh. But yeah. Bless you. Bless you. <laughs> I'll I'll sync that up. Okay. <laughs> um. So I do like um, yeah. That's what I noticed sound wise. Okay. Mine is the uh, when Jack's throwing the uh, the ball. Mm. Okay. In the yeah. halls, I like that too. You just get the duck dunk, duck dunk, duck dunk, and it that goes to where I think Stanley was trying to show that it was just the the void in the hotel and just being mm-hmm. alone and then yeah, going to stir crazy, crazy, just like that one sound over and over and over again. Because um, I mean, it's it's what you do when you're bored. You know, yeah. It, you just you find something to physically do to just entertain yourself, and that I mean, it's just it's it's just repetitive. <laughs> Can we talk about the fact that Jack Torrance is hired as the caretaker for this hotel, and they don't show him do anything to take care of the hotel once? No, his well, wife does. Yeah, well, they show his wife at the boilers, and that's it. Well, here's here's the thing about that. This movie was made in the early seventies. No, late, mid late, it came out. 80? It came out 80? in nineteen eighty. It came out one week before Empire Strikes Back. Okay. Whoa. Yeah. You, okay. So 
nowadays, and you'll find this, people really don't know how to do just normal maintenance when it comes to their homes or other things because it's gotten to the point where it's like you can just go and call a handyman or go to, or you know, just do. There's a lot of stuff that a lot of people knew how to do in that generation that we don't know now, and a lot of it's just handyman type stuff. And if you're taking care of a hotel, now granted, one person taking care of that big of a hotel for a winter, first off, that's suspicious. <laughs> um, but, um, but when it comes to the type of things you would have to do, I mean, any major repairs, they would wait until the end of the winter anyway. But when it comes to like, okay, so this window broke and, you know, the, the, uh, a room had a window blowout. Okay, so you've got to know how to replace a window. I mean, if you if if you have somebody who knows minor maintenance for a building, mm-hmm. they would hire them for it. So to me, the fact how how old Jack is, the the time frame uh, uh, when this movie was made, and they even say that he was a teacher, right? In uh, um, inside the movie, it wouldn't be too far of a stretch for me to see that maybe you know he might be a teacher he's an asshole but he also might be able to you know remodel his own kitchen i mean <laughs> i think it's not that we don't think he can do it it's that he doesn't at all yeah. like all right. he's doing is writing he's supposed to be caretaking the place making sure the wings are heated so the pipes don't freeze and the only person that does that is wendy yeah i don't like he doesn't even shingle the roof yeah like, so like what's all this work that's making yeah, him he's, a dull he's boy? doing nothing he's yeah. just sitting <laughs> throwing a ball against a wall for eight hours at a time and then typing a bunch of stuff on the typewriter. He's not doing any maintenance, that man. Like, Except for, like, let's say, cleaning up after themselves and lighting the boilers right. I mean, you might go three or four days before something goes wrong to where you have to fix it. Yeah, but the point but that was the point we're getting at is they don't show him do anything at all. Yeah, and I'm fine with that. Right. I mean, yeah, they don't I have to. See him do something. Yeah, show him do something like, though. Like, so he's not just a lazy bastard being like, "I'll be your caretaker," and then yeah. Wendy, go care take care of this hotel I'm getting paid for. Okay. Like, okay, so I think it just hit me. The fact that you say that Kubrick said that this movie is just them going stir crazy. Mm-hmm. Now I got how he was trying to show. That. Oh yeah, I get that. By just having showing just nothing, like dead silence. Just the, just like the, uh, the work on the sound, just like you guys were talking yeah. about with, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Just with the trike going over that like hardwood and carpet. And the reason why it's that loud is because there's no other sounds inside the entire hotel. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So it would be really loud. And that's why she can hear him like groaning in his sleep when she's mm-hmm. down in like, where is she? The kitchen? Yeah, she's like on the other side of the hotel and she can hear him like rawr, rawr, well, and they yeah. had the dumb reader too <laughs> yeah. so she could hear through that yeah but. so I mean when you've got the type of stuff that you would do for maintenance work besides just the writing I mean it would be lighting the boilers opening and closing doors you know maybe just walking into the rooms to make sure that that you know that, that like no pipes have busted mm-hmm. I mean you're talking about still mindless stuff. Right. Maybe having a scene with him, like, opening one door, then closing it, and then opening another door, Yeah, that would have, made, like, highlighted. And then maybe the... have maybe, like, 20 seconds of just doors opening and closing. Opening that would have added to it. That would have added to it and probably driven the whole, like, these people are just going crazy yeah. Yeah. type. But that's, that's one of the reasons why I'm not too so upset about them not showing I wonder the how much of that was shot though cuz yeah. 
The right. fact that the scrapbook is on the table when he's typing. Yeah, he found it. He found it. So there, there is more of him like exploring this hotel. They cut a lot from they, the they, movie so too. They, I'm sure they shot him doing stuff and they just didn't use it. Yeah. Um. What else do we want to hit on? I want to talk about Holleran's room. Oh, you want like, to talk about we're all Holler- talking about okay. everyone's favorite shots. Who didn't love the shot like of him laying in bed and then it's slowly panning out to just like the naked woman poster behind his bed? I love That's, that shot. That is why your dad that would not let you watch it shots. on network like, television. <laughs> did no one else notice that like, it was great. That scene? It, yeah, it would have been blurred out. Television. Yeah, that's why your dad wouldn't it. let you watch no. it there. He's like, I'm going to show them this. It would have been like four <laughs> hours on network television. That's why he didn't have you watch it. <laughs> <laughs> well, my favorite scene for the entire film, like for the entire movie, if I had to pick one scene that I absolutely love, it's when he first walks up to the bar. Oh, yeah. And talks to the bartender for the first time. That is my favorite scene. Because yeah. it has him walking through that hallway, which is, is I mean, it's beautifully uncomfortable. Yeah. Is the, uh, is, is the best way to put it. And then he walks into the ballroom, and you got those ugly-ass carpets. I love uh, the carpets. For the time... To- okay, 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 here. For the time period, okay? Yeah. For the time period, that was, like, the thing to have. But if I were to walk into a hotel that big, be like, oh, my God, this is so cool. I'd look at the carpet and go, really? <laughs> really? It's a good thing, you, good thing you weren't at the hotel we got married, had our wedding no, party stay that at. hotel was tacky. <laughs> uh, so, so, but that, that scene where he goes in and he talks to the bartender for the first time. For the longest time, my original theory was that that bartender was, like, the core of all of the crap that was going on in the hotel mm-hmm. and that that was Satan. For the longest time, when I was younger, that's seriously what I thought the whole thing was. He kind of is, though. Like he kind of is the mouthpiece of the hotel. Yeah. Yeah. And what's funny is the scenes with him at the bar and all of that are more or less ripped straight from the book. Like the dialogue is exactly the, the same as the book, which is weird well, even because like, that even like sound design wise, like the guy has that weird reverb on his voice. Yeah. Um. No, I really like the how they executed that scene with in the bar like you were talking about cuz he's just talk he's just talking to himself and then all of a sudden it cuts back and shows you the bartender with the bar, full bar mm-hmm. behind him. like yep. for me that was the creepiest transition in this whole movie. Yeah. Um cuz I knew it was coming but it was still yeah. like the way they presented it cuz it's just on Jack for so long and then it cuts to the bartender being there. Yeah. So, and part of, I mean, granted, I, I know that it's supposed to be, uh, I know it's supposed to be that that's all in his head, but I still like the idea of it being a haunting. And yeah. because I love the idea of him actually drinking alcohol mm-hmm. instead of thinking he's drinking alcohol, because mm-hmm. if he's truly an alcoholic, I don't care if you're going stir crazy or not. I mean, if he's pretending to drink alcohol, now granted, I know the, the, the human body and brain can make you believe and do things that are like crazy. But mm-hmm. I like, I like the idea better that the hotel made him fall off the wagon, mm-hmm. yeah. and that's what you know was part of the beginning of of him eventually like trying to kill his family. Yeah. Um, hmm. But see, for me, like the the whole 
ballroom stuff is where it comes into this place is haunted. Like he's being haunted by something in this hotel. Like that's Mm -hmm. for me, that's the concrete of, I don't know what Kubrick's talking about. There's no way there's no supernatural aspect of it. Yeah. Which if he's hallucinating the people, I can go with that. It just, (laughs) I love the idea of it being a haunting more than what he originally wanted this movie. That's where you should read the book. I really think you should read the book. They're totally different things, and I have so much love for them both, but I feel like you should read the book. Okay. And the book is, on Audible is yeah. read by... Um, I'd rather just read it. Okay. <laughs> Sorry. Just just say, he's the, he's the uh, VP on the last season of House of Cards. Okay. So. Oh. Yeah. Um, like not read by Stephen King. <laughs> That's okay. And he's also the dad in the Amazing Spider-Man movies. Like he's... Peter oh, Parker's yeah. dad, I which is weird. Get into the Speaking, of it. huh? Mm-hmm. Totally. I wanted to say something, and I totally started the sentence wrong. So I'm okay. gonna stop and pause. Um, yeah. What? What? So we went over our best scenes, yes. or our favorite scenes. What in what in this movie did you just were like that? No. Like something that you just couldn't stand or it was just too jarring or you felt like it was a waste of time or you feel that there was just something wrong that just definitely could have been better. That That's a good question. Personally, the one thing I would change, and this is minor, um, in the very beginning when Danny's brushing his teeth and gets the flashes of the hotel and mm-hmm. he sees the blood come down for the first time and then it cuts to the twins. I think if you made that cut to the twins shorter, like only a few frames, like you don't know if you saw it or not, I think it would have been a lot more effective. Like, what the hell? Like, what was that mm-hmm. about? I think it's just there too long. So I think if you cut that down mm-hmm. and then he sees them in the hotel later, like for real, yeah, I think that would make it a lot creepier that's a very modern perspective though because like now we're used to the jump cuts where you have the flash and you're like oh but back Mm. then that wasn't and i'm sure there's limitations that sorry like me editing in premiere is probably different than them editing Mm. film but with a razor blade and a a magnifying glass yeah the magnifying glass um but no that that's the one thing that i saw that was okay um and like story-wise i think um the way they handled Tony mm. could have been oh, handled yeah. better. Yeah. We'll get into yeah, that. So, Everyone else can give their oh, answers okay. before we get into Yeah, Tony's. so I mean, this might be in, along the same lines as you, Alan, but I think probably my least favorite thing is, I think just a modern thing, is I don't love fades, like, between, like, shots. Yeah. And they did that kind of a lot in the beginning, where it was, like, Jack Nicholson just going, <laughs> and then, like, it would slowly, like, fade into, like, something else happening. And I'm like, I don't love this. God, we need to make this a visual medium somehow. <laughs> yeah, we do. <laughs> um, but I think that's just a, a modern thing. I think yeah. that modern eyes aren't used to that fade, and I thought that it was bad. But I think I agree with you with the Tony thing, because I think... I think what I had read afterwards, because I like wanted to know all about this movie afterwards, is I think I got a better explanation of what Tony is based in the book. But like in the movie, you almost just have to take him at face value as Tony being this guy that lives in his mouth. And like yeah. I know we're gonna get that later, so I like don't want to like push it. But that's my story thing. Okay. What do you think? 
I uh, also didn't like that Tony is the guy that lives in my mouth. That was a really, I don't know why that was the explanation for Tony, but I didn't like, and it's the thing common with all movies is all the shots showing the cook go to the hotel where they show a shot of the plane taking off and they show a shot of a trap. Like, I don't need all that. And I know in old movies, they did that all the time. Like where if somebody said yeah. they were going somewhere, they would show them getting into the car and then they'd show the car ride and then they would show them arriving because people couldn't figure, oh, well, how did they get here now? <laughs> like, I get that that's why, but like I that wasted time. Like I didn't need to see all these shots of his traveling adventure since nothing even happened. It's not like, oh, he got, right. you know, the plane went down or oh, there was an avalanche. It's just, yep, this is his journey. Yeah, like really that, boring. That whole journey is unnecessary. Unnecessary in the movie, but in the book there's actually In the stuff book there's that, reasons for it. Yeah. But okay. I'm not talking about the book. I'm talking about in the movie. Yeah. I didn't need to see the plane and like the train and the automobile. But at like, the same time if he just showed up at the end it'd be like what the hell is this guy doing back yeah, here? Yeah, but you show him calling the place and then you show him making like the plans for the guy to pick him up and then he gets there. Like you can follow that logically. Well, need this to is do, how he's yeah. here. You he don't calls, need... he grabs his keys, walks out the door. Yeah, that, that's, that's all it. you need. That's all you know. And then he gets there. I yeah. know how yeah. he got there. I can assume I, it was I a will journey. say, like, I love the shot of the plane landing at the airport with all the snow. Because oh, yeah. that's not something you see all the time. Right. Because planes don't usually land when there's that much snow on the ground. And um, it was just very like jarring. Cause it was all white and... Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I, mean, I really like that, that nice. shot. It's just that there were too many shots of just him traveling and you didn't need it. Like we knew he was going right. to the hotel. We see him arrive at the hotel. Yeah. You can even leave the snow landing. It was just too much and it wasted time. Like this movie is very long. Mm-hmm. I don't know how I had the patience for it at nine years old. Cause at my age, I'm like, <laughs> okay, but get a move on. Like it's visually stunning, <laughs> but get a move on at certain times. And that was one of the times where I'm like, can we get the ball rolling? Like, <laughs> I know he's going right. there. You don't need to show me yeah. every step of the way. Gotcha. Like, I might be the only one on that, but like. <laughs> Brian, what about you? Okay, so I, I, I had it when I asked this question. <laughs> yeah. And now I've lost it. Uh-huh. <laughs> but oh, no. it, 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 um, when it comes to, when it comes to his movies, he does a lot of long shots. And I kind of like that depending on the, uh, depending on the feel. But for this movie, there were just one too many scenes where I feel like instead of watching a character walk all the way down the hallway, yeah. it could have been like, yeah. walk, you know, take maybe like five, six, seven steps and then yeah. cut to like where the camera's in front of them and then they make the turn. Um, there was a lot, there's, there's a lot of times in this movie that I feel like the long shot wasn't needed. Yeah. Like, I like the long shots, yeah. like the long shots walking in front of the hotel mm-hmm. you know th- th- uh th- the kid riding his uh um his three wheel yeah uh just th- there are certain times yeah, the, the it, it steady, works perfect the use of steady cam in this is fantastic yeah but then oh, yeah. but then there were just other times where it's like i i i get it yeah. i get it they're walking they're yeah, walking it was there was a lot of i'm bored now and i get part of that was to build suspense and part of it to build the their boredom but it's like mm-hmm. but we don't need this move on yeah like, there's a better right. way to shoot this okay so do we want to talk about tony now yes Go ahead. okay okay so Devin did some research online yesterday we've read the book i have done no research what do you think tony is i feel like tony is the is uh this uh danny's interpretation of his shining Okay. 
I feel like Tony is now again not That's knowing, really close. Yeah. not you know, not you know, not doing any research on it, not you know, yeah. knowing you know his thing. I feel like because Danny doesn't under- understand what he has, uh, and he doesn't grasp it fully, he has given this and en- this thing that he can do a name, and so instead of it just like him, just like. You know, having that inner monologue in his head, um, he speaks it out and talks yeah. to his finger because that's just what. Well, real quick, the yeah. finger thing was improvised by the kid. Like that's really? not in the book. The kid came oh, up. Oh no that. way! Uh, and it makes that it makes really it, it makes it a lot better for the film because, like in the book, it's more of he sees him in like oh. a dream state, so it makes more sense to have a that visual. That, aspect of it instead of cutting how's he described in the book he's Um, not he's not described until the very end what does tony look like um well hold on before we get into that i don't even know if we want to tell ryan who tony is okay yeah um (laughs) devin what what did what what are your what's your interpretation of tony based on the film what was like watching it without your research yeah so honestly throughout the whole film is the same thing where i had like eight different ideas of what tony was throughout the whole movie and then ended it on and ended on I guess he's just some guy in his mouth. Okay. But I mean, it started, <laughs> it started as me going, okay, so like this guy's possessed because he talked about how like whenever Tony talks, he goes to sleep and or it feels like he's asleep and Tony shows him things and Tony's also controlling his body. I'm like he has to be possessed by something. But then they explain the shining and then I was like super on Ryan's boat where I'm like, okay, it's the shining. But then he can like kind of predict the future, but also the past. And I'm like, I, he's someone in his mouth that talks to him. I'm frustrated. I don't know. And like that's where I ended with it because like I don't know. I don't think we're gonna tell you who Tony is. Well, I think like, do you want us to tell you, or do you want to wait until you? I'll read read the book. book. Okay, Okay. then I'll let you wait. Because I have this really cool image in my head of Tony um, being the same person that came to the character with pink hair from Greece about staying in high school. (laughs) (laughs) Beauty school dropout. Hair. Her name is Frenchie. Beauty school dropout. Oh my god. Beauty, Beauty school, school dropout. Come back to high school. That's my envision. Oh Tony my. Bean is a. I pic- I pictured him as yeah. Uh, what what's the little green alien who shows up in the Flintstones? Oh, I forget. Yazoo. Yeah. Yazoo. Yazoo. It- yeah. yeah. <laughs> I don't know if that's the right name. I just know I exactly that, yeah. who you mean. Um. Yeah, I will say this when I read when I read the book, I missed who Tony was, and then Anna had to pull out her copy that she had and read the the passage to me. He's like, "Oh, yeah, I zoned out when I was listening listening to that and part." That's why reading a book is better yeah. than listening to it. Um, but it what the uh, <laughs> the answer is is fun, so definitely okay. check out the book. Okay, and if you get it from the library, the the covers. The cover is pretty cool because Jack Torrance looks exactly like um, Ned Flanders. Like, like, I'm pretty sure Matt Groening was like, oh, hey, that's going to be... That's going to be the religious neighbor. That's that's going to be Flanders. Like, Jack Torrance is Flanders. Oakley Doakley. Yeah, and Tony looks like the kid from The Omen. (laughs) Like, he looks like Damien. That's what he looks like. Or not Tony. Danny. Sorry. Danny, yeah. Oh, Oh, gotcha. I got confused. Um, okay. So 
I think we've covered a lot of this movie, except for one major thing that reading the book, I was like, how the hell does this play in it? Because not seeing the movie, I knew a lot about it going yeah. into it. Um, right. So we need to talk about the end shot. The picture on the oh, wall. Yeah. Yes, which that is one of the reasons why my belief of it just being haunted and, you know, the... You know, like the real, uh, the real, um, uh, like more or less evil spirits are, are are just trying to like bring people in with them is because of that last shot. And yeah. to me, the fact that they talk about how you know the you know the uh, uh, the family before was murdered and like a murder suicide, and then all of the horrible things that have supposedly that they kind of shadow over that happened at the hotel to me that picture holds every single person that's ever died in that hotel on top of the people who were originally in that photo to me that's how i took it that that photo is kind of like the trophy room or kind of like you know that hotel's trophy wall okay so are you saying I'm just trying to clarify. So you're saying when the Torrances showed up, that picture was there, but Jack wasn't in it. But yes. when he died, he shows up in the yeah, picture. Yeah, that was yes. always my interpretation okay. of it. Yeah, the picture's there. He walks by it. Yeah. yeah. He walks by it. And, and in the beginning part of the movie, he walks by it, and they show it in the background. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, it's there, and and he's not on it yet. But every single person that's now, have Now, can you actually see that he's not on it yet? Or... You can't see that he's not on it, but my belief is that he's not on it okay. to begin with. Okay. To add to that, yeah, see, my interpretation the... was yeah, always that he it. wasn't on it, and where he is is where Grady was. Oh. oh. That when he, you know what I mean, the guy that last killed his family, mm-hmm. like I always thought he was the one yeah. that was where Jack is in it, and then when Jack kills everybody, he ends up in that position because he's the caretaker now. And then when the next person does it, they'll be the caretaker now, and then they'll like move to fill out the rest of the... Thing. Right, because was Grady even in that shot? I honestly don't know. I don't know. I was know. looking for him. I don't think I saw him. Yeah, hey, I don't think he was. Um, mm-hmm. Devin, what were you? What were you gonna yeah, say? Sorry, I didn't. No, I didn't take the picture literally. I thought it was more like a. I mean, I, I thought along the same lines as you guys, where it meant that he is now a part of the hotel. Like, if it was a ghost story, it means that his ghost is now a part of the hotel and that he's permanently there. But I even took it more like mentally, it's just showing that like he's now a part of the awful history of this hotel. And I didn't even take it like literally. I just thought it was more a, a symbol of he's now a part of the sordid history of this hotel. And that's all that the picture was. And it wasn't literally a picture on the wall. And if it was, it didn't include him. At first, I was trying to think if maybe there was like a time vortex and he's like when he's back at the bar like he's traveling back in time but i i i tend to agree with the whole he shows up in the picture after the hotel gets him Mm -hmm. because it's the hotel trying to get him in so and and about the thing about uh about you know it's like who actually gets on the wall it's the way that i see it, it it's it's only people that the hotel goes after like individually mm-hmm. so like it went after jack now mm-hmm. if jack would have killed his wife and his son they wouldn't have shown up in the picture Mm-mm. jack would have mm-hmm. because the hotel specifically went after him 
Yeah. So that's why that picture isn't like the side of the entire room. Yeah. It's only the people that the hotel goes after, the people that the hotel, you know, makes them do what, you know, what what it wants them to do. And then they end up in the picture. But I also like the idea of like the latest person shows mm-hmm. up in front and then the next person takes its place and yeah. then Zach kind of like goes back and just gets shuffled. And then it's like the longer you're there, the more people that die, the further in the back yeah. you get. I like that. That's idea. what I always took it to be. But So then I have a weird question. Okay. So in the beginning of the movie, he talks about how he feels like he's always been to this hotel mm-hmm. and he knows every corner before he even turns it. And he feels like he's been here before in a big way and even claims to know the bartender's name before the bartender says anything. Do we think that those instances and him showing up in the picture from 1921 are related? Or do we think that like they're just kind of horror movie tropes that they keep throwing in? I think, oh, go ahead. You go. I think it was that the hotel was putting all this in his head. Like he knew he was getting there because the the hotel like took over his, like was getting into his mind and doing all that. Sure. But I know a lot of people online take that picture to mean, oh, he has been there before. He's been there the whole time. You've always been the caretaker as whoever, what is it, Lloyd says that to him? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Like whoever. Like some people take that literally. I always took it to be like, no, the hotel's got him now. Like stay with us mm-hmm. forever and ever and ever mm-hmm. and then jack says that later and then he is there forever and ever and ever he died he tried to kill his family mm-hmm. and now he's in the picture as a visual yeah. he's here forever right yeah but, yeah you can definitely i definitely think the hotel is messing with his brain yeah. because when he has that dream right. and he wakes up like that was the worst nightmare i've ever had like i think right. that's the hotel fucking with him yeah so yeah because i mean it, it's i just like you two i i i I truly believe like he goes in there and he's walking around. I really feel that the hotel, the fact that the hotel itself has the shining Mm -hmm. so it can see inside his head and it can Mm -hmm. see, Hey, you know, he walks in through the doors and the hotel is just like looking at random people as they're walking around and then it sees him. It's like, ah, we've got a live one (laughs) here. We've got a live one. And I feel like as he's walking around, because you can see, like, he's sitting there, he's kind of mopey, and then he's, like, looking around, walking, and he gets in a better mood, and he goes mm-hmm. into the interview room, and, you know, he's actually, you know, he's confident. And I think it's because the hotel is kind of, like, feeding that to him. Like, he's feeling more comfortable mm-hmm. the longer he's there, because I think the hotel is actually giving him, be like, hey, look, you know the lobby inside and out now. Mm-hmm. You know, like, this is your space. Um, so I almost kind of think it was, like, almost uh kind of like implanted in his head mm-hmm. yeah like I, I i i really do that's interesting what do you think Devin? i don't know because you guys my mind just went to like really like it, it took it eight steps farther so my mind went okay so we're all talking to the about the hotel like it's another character in the movie which i mean honestly i kind of think it is yeah. just based on everything that we've been talking about so then my mind went okay well what's the hotel's character arc then where did the hotel start when the movie started and how, in what ways did it or could it have grown throughout the movie or changed in its interpretation of things? Or is it just the antagonist? And literally, it doesn't have any more motivation than when it started. That's literally what I'm struggling with. And I'm looking like this. Like, I'm just trying to figure out what my answer to that even is. It's the antagonist. It's looking to feed yeah. off these souls and mm-hmm. also look uh-huh. for power, I think, because I'm sure that sure. it's getting energy from the people that shine. Yeah. It so. wants it wants Jack. Yeah. So like when Danny calls for help, the hotel's not happy and like right. increases its effort to corrupt him to kill them. So 
And you think that's why he was foaming at the mouth then was because the hotel was actively trying to stop him? Or do you think he was like foaming at the mouth because he was just trying to go from like where to Colorado to Florida? Actually, yeah, I, think it was the I, I think he just has rabies. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> that would explain everything. He just goes rabid and tries to kill his family. Oh, that's that. a new take. If you found a rabbit, <laughs> you know, best. lighting those boilers in the basement, you saw those tunnels. They're basically dirt. A rabid raccoon yeah. could have gotten down there. Yeah. Okay. Oh, uh, okay. Nope, so nope. it all makes sense now. I got yep. it. We solved it. Bruce is on the neck. Rabbit attack. <laughs> okay. How did you think about the ending? Like the whole like for the movie. Like, because the, this it, is one, because so like the very, very last scene for me, not the very, very last scene, when you last see Jack, when he's frozen. Mm-hmm. That was abrupt as hell. Like, and like yeah. I, this might be going back to the, the modern thing, yeah. but it's just like he falls over in the snow and then uh, corpsicle. Yeah, it was <laughs> almost comical to me. Yeah. 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 Because that scene almost makes it to be like my least favorite part of this film. Mm-hmm. But... Th- there are just so many times in the film where there are just too many long shots and that's what annoys me. But that very yeah. last scene, like it, it, it goes from like, Oh, like, you know, like epic scene, epic angle, epic, epic, epic. And then just college one, film. Like, yeah. yeah. Like one shot of yeah. him in the snow. Yeah. I yeah. definitely found that jarring. And then to just go back into the hotel like that, like just to that pushing, mm-hmm. I think it would have been better if you just showed, like you could change it up a bit and like so show the sunrise through like the windows of the hotel, like the hotel in early morning, and do like different shots of the different rooms that you've been in, mm-hmm. and just see like the aftermath of Holleran's body being there and everything that he's pushed off the desk, like his writing, his typewriter, like do mm-hmm. establishing shots of the hotel in the morning, and then maybe show him out the window and then show him, and then come back, maybe come back into the hotel and do the push in. Um. Mm-hmm. I think it could. There are a lot of different ways to go about doing that, and yeah. I just think that was a. Oh shit! We're already over on time. We gotta. <laughs> we're over on time, over on budget, and our lead actress. Is In the words of Uncle Joey, gotta cut room. it out. <laughs> <laughs> so, okay. So, I know you guys haven't read the book, The Shining. Mm-hmm. You do you know there's a sequel? What. Yes. I've mentioned it. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Doctor Sleep no. is a sequel to The Shining. Oh, I thought that was like a whole other like. Thing. No, no. It, it's about growing up Danny Torrance. And they're what? making a movie out of and it. And they're making a movie out of it. And now, now yeah, before we go into whose cast is adult Danny Torrance, I'm going to ask yeah. you, who do you think should play adult Danny Torrance? Oh, man. <laughs> Am I going I off of. Answer. Am I going off of what the kid looked like from the movie? It, no, going off of whatever you want. Who do you think would play a a good adult, Danny? Based on you can base it off of who who the kid is, or who who do you think would play a good grown up who's been fucked up by this whole ordeal? Christian Slater. Because <laughs> <laughs> Jack Nicholson's his dad, yeah. so I mean, yeah. it's logical. In uh, the age is about right. <laughs> Mel Kilmer. Val Kilmer. Oh. oh, actually, I could see that. I could no. see that. I could see that. If he better was, than who they yeah. Cast. If I could see that if he um, if he was acting, still. if he if he didn't have the health issues yeah. he's having. Yeah. No, but see the thing oh, is, right. okay, so, health issues. 
I think we oh, went yeah. over this. Uh, I forgot. Yeah, he had he had, he had throat cancer and doesn't have a voice anymore. Oh no! I yeah. thought maybe it was a different kind of health issue because depending on the health issue, it might actually help the character. I don't, yeah, think, I don't think throat cancer is going to No, help. it's not. Yeah. That's, that, that's horrible. That, that's, <laughs> yeah. that's why I'm oh, backtracking boy. from that whole idea. <laughs> yeah. No, if it was somebody like Robert Downey Jr., like that would work for the character, mm-hmm. but yeah. it, no. Devin, who do you think? I mean, if we're talking strictly on somebody who looks like they've been through some shit, adult Macaulay Culkin. <laughs> no, I'd be no, down no, with that. No. He's yeah. a good actor. No, yeah. Yeah, have you he seen him recently? recently? I would so be down with that. I recently saw, I recently saw a video of him on Ellen. Uh-huh. I had no idea. Yeah, just really? because the, the because the last time I saw a picture of him, he looked like he was about to fall over from a heroin overdose, like rail thin, no, long he's hair, good now. He's good now. He's good now. And then I saw him on Ellen, and I was like, "Oh, yeah, he kind of he kind of shit together." Yeah, he did. Um, and I'm happy that he's finally being himself. Oh yeah. No, I think he is too young because if this. If the book and the movie take place in, let's say, 1980, yeah, no, then he's too, young. He, he's too young. Yeah. But I don't uh, know if they're quite doing that. And yeah. if they're doing it the way the book is, it goes mm-hmm. through his life. Yeah. Like, he so, ages up. I'm gonna, I think he's like... 30. I'm going to tell you guys who they cast as adult Danny Torrance. Who? Who? Um, it's Hollywood's go-to actor for, we need an older and or younger version of this character. <laughs> who is that? Mr. Ewan McGregor. <laughs> Really? Yeah. That's amazing. He's I'm not upset about that. So, it could be. Yeah. Like Macaulay Culkin's middle-aged. I just find it funny that that your McGregor keeps getting cast as young Obi-Wan Kenobi or older uh Christopher Robin or older Jack Torrance like <laughs> it's I hate well it. okay to be honest he is a decent actor. He is yeah. a great actor. And I he's love him. right in that age where he can do stuff like that. I just don't see it. Having read the book, I'm like, I mean, I'll watch it, but you never yeah. know. He may pull one. He might do well. I I don't he know what this. Might. I see. The problem is, I don't know what this movie's going to be. I haven't read Doctor Sleep yet, but mm-hmm. I don't know what this movie's going to be because it's taking influence from the book and the movie The Shining. Yeah. Oh. So and the endings are completely different. Well, maybe it's just standalone. Maybe it's just its own separate thing. No, they're basing it off book and movie. No, yeah. no, 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 no. I mean, uh, oh, they're basing it off the movie. Yeah, yeah. So, like they're so, taking so it, it is from officially both. a definitive ending. I mean, it's a sequel. Yeah, it's an official sequel, and they're doing it. But yeah, like they're making okay. it. I think because you can't do it and be like, we're gonna base this off the book that nobody's read and everybody's seen the iconic movie, and it's not gonna have anything to do with the iconic movie because that's its own thing. Like they're taking right. from both because yeah. otherwise people aren't gonna go because people would be. So I mean, confused. I could maybe see them. Doing a thing where, um, maybe the book is what really happened, and the movie was actually a movie in the universe. Like somebody took the story and made it a movie, and I'd be okay with that. Um, but yeah, the the I book, welcome... the book and movie endings are completely different. Well, Devin, you know, I know what. The, yeah, the book and well, I don't know the book ending. You've, You've seen the miniseries. Well, hold on. Does the miniseries end the way the book does? It shows. The miniseries ended with him at his high school graduation and Star Wars ghost version of his dad shows up and applauds him at his No, No, but I am totally ending this podcast now and going to watch that. No, I meant the way the hotel ends, Devin. The way the hotel ends. (laughs) That's the end of the miniseries? Holy shit. I'm pulling it up on my phone right now. (gasps) I missed it. What, Devin? What'd you say? 
it was so the end of the movie or the end of the miniseries, if I remember right, is like go is Danny's high school graduation and Ghost Dad is there applauding his son at high school graduation, like oh, like man. Star Wars Ghost esque. Oh man! No, I mean like how the hotel ended in the miniseries okay. is very different. <laughs> yeah oh my god i didn't know about the ghost dad thing i am i have it up on my phone right now part three of the shining oh stupid commercials i'll find it later um yeah we're watching that yeah um yeah so that'll be interesting to see what happens um but and um castle rock had some fun shining tie-ins as well that i yeah um, in the first episode, you meet this blonde woman who uh, reveals herself to be named Jackie Torrance. Yeah, that's what Castle Rock is. It's just them being like, Stephen King's hot right now, so we're just going to make shitty references to all his works. <laughs> to be fair, no, you didn't. You watched the first episode. I watched the whole series. Oh. Did is it you? Good? What? No. Um, I enjoyed it. Um, the Jackie Torrance at first was like, mm, oh, that's a, that's weird. And then they reveal her to be Jack's niece, and she's just using Jackie Torrance as her like uh, alias because she's she's a writer too. Sure. So the spoilers for the end of Castle Rock for anyone who hasn't seen it, you might want to fast forward like thirty seconds. Um, <laughs> she ends right. She the series like the last shot of the show is her finishing her book called The Overlook, and she's like, I don't know about this ending. I might have to go to where this is inspired off of to to finish this. So season two might be at the Overlook. Yeah, that would be interesting. Which, though. if they're basing it off the book, I don't know how they do that because kaboom, right? Is kind of how the book ends. So unless it's rebuilt. So. Sorry, Ryan. It's okay. Actually, I, I think I knew that it exploded. Yeah. 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 So I mean, I guess if it's built on an ancient Indian burial ground, you can always rebuild it. Why not? Right. Um. Yeah, I I enjoyed Castle Rock. I highly recommend it. Um, not just for the Stephen King references, but just for um the story itself. I really like the second to last episode of that show. If you watch the whole thing, was phenomenal. And I think okay. Devin, being the J.J. Abrams fan, I think you are. I think yeah. you'd enjoy it because oh, yeah. it, it it's okay. bad robot. Okay, so, so speaking like of J.J. Abrams. Okay. Speaking of J.J. Mm-hmm. Um, in our like chat forum thing that we have for for the podcast, Devin, mm-hmm. I think you put holy lens flares. I did, yeah. It's the beginning. <laughs> okay, so uh, which scenes? Because I think I know what you're talking about. But yeah, w- what scene? Like, like which lens flare like hit you to where you were <laughs> like lens holy lens flare? Honestly, it was like. The beginning scene with them driving, and they kept shooting like idealistic like shots of mountain. They kept catching like just too much sun in the lens, and it was just like, yeah, we're gonna keep it. But like, I was just, I was like, oh, pre Michael Bay lens flare. This is nice. <laughs> it's not Michael Bay though. It's J.J. Abrams is known for the lens flare. J- oh, oh Mike, right. Michael Bay is that's known right. for blowing sh- blowing shit up uh, and having cheesy yeah. lines like "Welcome to the Rock," <laughs> which is an awesome movie, by the way. Yes. Have you seen I The Rock? Seen oh no. my God! We're we're, we're going to add it. Finally, uh, we have a reason. Yes, to we have a reason to t- watch The Rock. Yes, this is why we added Devin to the show. And the fact that he lives <laughs> where he lives. Yeah, oh, even better. Um, so I think that's all we've got on The Shining. Yeah. Any final thoughts? 
If you haven't seen it, watch it. Yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. yeah. I mean, it's definitely a good movie. I think Devin and I were both outliers in the The Shining, not not having seen it. Like, it's weird right. that we we've done two like of the top movies of all time back to back. But we're trying to get those viewers, yeah, listeners. <laughs> we're trying to get the we're trying to get those lin- li- 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 ministers. <laughs> Trying to get those ministers, <laughs> trying to get those listeners out, uh, up. So, yeah. If you enjoy the show, go. What's up? What? No, go ahead. What I said saying? for me, The Shining is always one of those movies where, like, I knew the beats. Like, I knew like kid riding bike down the hall was gonna run into two little girls. I knew that like creepy, gross lady was gonna be in bathtub. I knew like he was gonna try to kill family with an axe, and probably they were gonna escape. So the yeah. longest time, I felt like I don't need to watch this movie. But it was yeah. way more than just those beats. And, like, I was really impressed with what I saw. Yeah. Like, more and, than I thought I was going to be. Well, how much of that did you just know from seeing Ready Player One? Oh, God. Like, <laughs> the elevator scene. I mean, most of it. Like, mo- like they, they spoiled spoiled a lot of the movie. But, like, also, so does The Simpsons. Also, so does Family Guy. Like, everything, like, spoils parts of it. Okay. So, real quick, since you touched on The Simpsons, I don't have to do it so much for this one. But after we talked about The Godfather last week... Yeah. I went. I went on YouTube and googled the Simpsons Godfather references, just because yeah. I know they made a bunch that I've never seen before, and uh-huh. I was right. <laughs> there was like a <laughs> six-minute video of just different references to the to the Godfather that they made on the Simpsons. Like one is Marge just beating somebody up, like um, um, the brother did, like Sonny did, like with oh, the yeah. with the trash can lid and everything, and. They did a whole reference to the ending with Lisa and uh, Fat Tony's son. It was fantastic. So I'm probably going to do that again. I'm going to go back and just watch that uh, Treehouse of Horror where they do the shinning. Oh, yes. Because they don't want to get sued. <laughs> I love that. Um, anything else, Ryan? I Not really. I mean, everything that we kind of covered. I mean, the, the, the movie itself is great to watch. And one of the best things about it is kind of what we've been doing here. Like, there's so many ways you can go about of, like, did he go nuts? Was it haunted? You know, like, how much does the, you know, uh, how much does the Native American thing play into it? How much does, you know, the, you know, the, the, the kid's psychic ability falls into it? One of the things that I always kind of thought about, though, was, um, you know, all this stuff happens during the winter. Why doesn't any of this stuff, you know, happen during the summer? And one of the things, like, mentally that I just play it off so I don't have a giant, like, plot hole just I fall into is that the chef is strong enough to keep the hotel under control when all the guests are there. I would read the book. Okay. Well, I mean, the book definitely probably explains all of that. But, I mean, Um, for the movie, that's what I've always thought, that, like, the chef was able to, like, keep it under control during the... uh, uh, during the summer and then during the winter, like all these things happen because he's not there. But then again, he doesn't care because for him, it's like a break. Yeah. <laughs> Anything else? I would just like to recommend to Devin to read the book as well, or at least give Stephen King another shot because he's not writing <laughs> horrors. He's writing tragedies. And so if you go into them not expecting to be scared the whole time and expecting character development and story that's where he's good. That's why the Green Mile's good. That's why Rita Hayworth and the Shawshank Redemption's good. Yeah, I would definitely. Like, that's what he's doing. I definitely agree on The Shining. It's definitely not a horror book. It's more of a like a tragedy kind of book. Yeah. Well, that's it. Yeah, because I mean, this is my view of, of Stephen King. To digress for a second, is in my mind, because I've seen like the early '90s TV show version of it, the one that I think you guys said you did. 
And basically my view of it is him going, oh yeah, are clowns scary? What if the clown's a spider now? And like, that just kind of sounds so hacky to me. Like, they, I don't know. That's, and I think that's why I didn't, I don't think I love Stephen King is like that kind of stuff. The spider thing for the yeah. made for TV was because they kind of ran out of money. Yeah, that was, yeah. they ran they out of money that at the up. end of that. The, the writer, like oh. the producers and so stuff. So it's not in, yeah. it's not yeah. in it, like the book? No, no, not a spite. Like it's really, not quite. It's it's not quite it's a that thing. Have it's you a thing. have you seen the new it? Not even a little bit. Oh my oh god, god, that's okay. Devin, well, I, saw the, I saw the nineties version, and I'm like, well, if it's gonna be that, I'm gonna hate this movie. No, so oh I didn't. God. See Dude, have you seen the cast for the second chart part they're doing? No. Okay, so he the book. He probably doesn't even know about the second part. Okay, so you know how the uh, the the t- miniseries is flashbacks to the kids, and then they're adults. Yeah, and this like one's like just back and the forth. first yeah, one's only when they're kids, and the second one's only when they're adults, right? Yeah, yeah. So the second yeah. one's when they're only adults. So the cast is Jessica Chastain, James McAvoy, and Bill Hader is playing the uh, Finn Wolfhard character. Bill Hader? Yeah. yeah. All right. All right. Yeah. So we're like definitely that. making you watch it at some point. Not now. Yeah. No. Like, no, no we've no, got no, the it's, it's we've got through the end of the year mapped out. Yeah. Um, okay. But that's going on the list. Um, Did you guys def- already talk about it though? I think we did a little bit. We did because it came, it was coming out, and I don't think, we, and it was, you I had, didn't see one of the two, yeah. and that's, oh, and so that's the one the we did. Got so it. we yeah. did the original one. The fact, but I'm really upset with you, Devin, the fact that you didn't like <laughs> the original, the, uh, or the Tim Curry it that much. I loved the Tim Curry That really upsets it. me. Beep, beep, Georgie. But I get where he's coming from with thinking that he's just well, hacky yeah. and jumping onto scary yeah. things. Yeah. Like, there's so much more. Like, a lot of that's just the movie adaptations. And he hates most movie adaptations. He liked mm-hmm. the new one. Right. He liked the Shawshank Redemption. That's his favorite. And I think he liked the Green Mile and pretty much everything else he's hated, including the things that he's done himself yeah. directing. Like, so oh, interesting. Books are different from movies. Yeah. In case. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Have you ever looked up anything about him, though? Devin, like, have no. you? Okay, I think you should. Okay. Because here's the thing: at the very least, if you don't like his writing style or if uh-huh. you don't like his books, I truly think you might like him as a person. Yeah. Sure. Well, I mean, I, I really read do. the book *Cell* back when I was a youngin, and I really liked it. And then I picked up the book *Lovely Bones* and was like, "This isn't scary," and I'm Lovely twelve. Bones isn't and by the book away. *Lovely Bones* is, isn't Stephen King. <laughs> That's not. Stephen no, 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 no. It wasn't. It wasn't *Lovely Bones*. It was something with bones. It was it was another Stephen King book. Bagabones. What is it? Was it maybe Bagabones? I thought that was it. Yeah. Let me see. Let me His see the older cover. stuff is where I'm happier with him. Everything after the he got hit by the car, I don't think has been good, as good. He Except for Doctor Sleep was great. So I'm like, yeah. oh my he god, he almost died. Really? Yeah. yeah. Is that okay. why like three of his movies are based on cars hitting people? No, that was before. Okay. The, like the, the cars are trying to get revenge. Okay. Well. Okay. Okay. So Devin. So, yes. do you know about like part of like the Stephen King lore where like most of his storylines take place in Maine? Yes, I knew that, and it's like okay. a like a he lives thing. in Maine. He's from Maine. That's yeah. one of the reasons why yeah. he bases almost all of his storylines from Maine. He's also well, he used to be really big into biking, mm-hmm. and in okay. Maine is full of rural forest roads sure and that's where he lived he lived in that part of maine where it's like the interior not along the coastline and he got hit by a car when he was on one of his rides 
Yeah. And he almost died. Like, I think this was what, like late 90s? It was like 1999. He was writing his memoir as it happened. So the last chapter of the memoir talks about the accident. Oh, wow. So, I mean, and I remember people talking about like, oh, my God. It's like, oh my God, Stephen King almost died. His books are going to be even harder to read now. (laughs) (laughs) Closer to death than ever before. Yeah. But but yeah, I mean, he's definitely like, I'd hate to be inside of his head. I really would. Definitely give him another shot. I re- you know what, I really should, because that's what everyone kind of tells me is, I mean, and I kind of formed my opinion of him when I was like 12 and hated most things that were popular, because that's what you yeah. do when you're that age. So I probably just need to give him another shot. And you need to go back and rewatch the TV it. Yeah. We're going to make you watch I, until you love it. I'll watch it. <laughs> no, 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 here. Watch it and just watch it to be entertained. Yeah, Don't expect anything. Just watch it to be entertained. Because uh-huh. as a giant it fan... I'm going to tell you right now, it's a fun movie to watch, but I really wouldn't give it any awards. Okay. But I love it. I'd give it a gold star. Like a sticker. I'd give it that, but I wouldn't give it. I'm not going to, you know. (laughs) But still, I mean, like, I mean, it's just a. It's a fun time. Fun, entertaining movie. Yeah. And it's Tim, and it's Tim Curry for crying out loud. Yeah. Yeah, and I feel like I should have like appreciated that more, and I watched it. I'm gonna have to watch it again. Yeah, watch it again. I'll have homework. It'll be okay. <laughs> All right. So, uh, so next week we are starting. Well, I guess our one and only holiday special. I'm making these guys watch a Christmas movie next week. That I'm gonna hold the name off. Uh, I'm gonna hold the name until we release the episode. But I will say I am watching it on VHS tape because I feel that's like the only way that you can watch this movie. And appreciate it fully. So Anna knows what it is. Um, so She's you should know what it is. We talked about this last week. I know, I know. You forgot already. Yeah, didn't I you? did. <laughs> um, so tune in next week. Um, we've got exciting things coming up on the show. So make sure to like us on Facebook. Follow us on our new Instagram page. Um, the link is on our Facebook. And make sure to leave a comment and and rate our podcast on whatever podcast app you're listening to because we're uh, reading them and would love to talk to whoever's listening to this. Yes, we so, will. Um, for you have to watch this podcast, Absolutely. I'm Alan. And I'm Ryan. And Devin's frozen and I'm Anna. <laughs> and <laughs> uh, thank you, Anna, for being here. Oh, no. Um, <laughs> a good time to end this because we're losing Devin who's across the country. Oh, no. So. Am I frozen? He's sounding. It's in and out. Yeah. And joining us from Los Angeles, California, is Max Headroom. Everyone. (laughs) 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 All right. We'll see you next week. Bye. Midnight, where the stars and you. Midnight and a rendezvous Your eyes held a message tender